Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for But I believe if any foreign person had truly made the same declaration that Ruth had made, saying the Israelite people are now going to be my people, your God will be my God, I accept the God of Israel, then I believe these foreigners would have been given some sort of way to live among Israelites, just that the intermarriages were over with. They would not be allowed to stay intermarried. That was the deal breaker. But I do believe they could have had or would have been allowed to stay in some capacity if only they had chosen to follow the Lord God of Israel. So they separated. Let them depart. If the unbeliever goes, let them go. Friends, this is a messed up story, I'll admit it. But it shows you how messed up sin is. God is seriously angry against our sin, and so we should take our sin very, very seriously. I just want to make sure that no one sees Nehemiah 9 with a shallow depth but rather instead sees that this was not an abandonment of people who just got kicked out of town against their will. So the Israelites here, when they separated, they did it because they recognized exactly what it was that dragged them down. So they decided to get out of that environment. Friends, when you recognize the environment that has pulled you down, get out. Get out of it. Don't ever go back in there again. They were more than just sorry about their sin. They were hurt by their sins. Seventy years, guys. How many of you would love to be taken from your home tonight? Lose your job, lose your friends, lose your puppy dog and your kitty cat and your house and whatever the things you like in life and be taken away to some enemy territory and be held there for 70 years. By the time you got out of it, you're either old or dead. Probably never going to know your kids. Probably lost track of mom and dad and grandpa. I mean, they destroyed, sin destroyed their life. And it was on account of intermarriage. They're sorry. They're not just sorry. They were hurt. They grieved. When's the last time sin made you grieve from your core? They were agonized over their sin enough to confess their own sins, but also the sins of their ancestors before them. Have you ever confessed the sins of your forefathers before you? They wanted to be pleasing to the Lord, knowing that their sin required a big national confession so that they would never repeat what their forefathers had done. By confessing what their forefathers had done, they were telling God, we're not going to do like they did. And I'm sure God loved to hear it. So when you view verse 3, it says they read from the law of the Lord, for one-fourth of the day for three hours. You think my sermons are long. Most Americans today, they get bored in church after about 20 minutes, if even that. They're thinking about other things. 
And then it says that they did this for three hours, but then for another three hours, again, it says they confessed their sins and worshiped. Guys, this is serious all-day assembly. This is real church in right here. Israel confessed with absolute sincerity. God, we are sorry. Psalm 32.5 says, I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Friends, I want you to understand that you're not forgiven until you've confessed. It says forgave after it says confess. This automatic Jesus that people believe in, that Jesus just saves everybody, and if I die, we're all going to heaven, and we're all going to that better place, but you don't confess, you're in trouble. You've got to confess your sins first if you want to be forgiven. Israel was not hiding their sin anymore. They made it public. They got outside. They went and talked to Ezra about it. We're going to make a big old deal out of it out out in the open. We're going to shout the things we did. Guys, this is public, way out in the open. They're not hiding their sin one bit. They separated themselves. You cannot confess your sins to the Lord if you're still standing unmoved right in the middle of your sin. You have to get out of it. You ever seen somebody confess their sin while they continue doing their sin? You've got to walk away from it, or else your confession doesn't mean anything. It's not real. Imagine if a, a, somebody caught their spouse cheating on them, caught them in the very act of doing it, and they said, oh, I'm sorry, I won't do it anymore while they're still with that person in the act of doing it. How would you feel if that was you? They should first separate themselves from the bad environment first before they acknowledge their sin, right? That's what I would expect. So now you know why God called Israel an adulterous nation. If you commit adultery, you're cheating on the one you're supposed to be joined to. Israel was supposed to be joined to God. They went and played around with other gods. God says, you adulterers. I want you to look at Matthew 5.29. Says, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Hell's a real place. We do talk about it in church. Jesus spoke about it. It's in the Bible. And what gets you to hell? Committing sin and not repenting of it. Not confessing it. Thinking, oh, you know, Jesus will just automatically save me. I'm a pretty good guy. It's going to land you in hell. It's right there in the book. But Jesus' intention with the story of cutting your eyes out and, and, gou- and gouging your eyes and cutting your hands off, he was saying in this story, you be as ruthless as it takes to get your sin away from you. Be as ruthless with sin as you have to, to not just gouge sin out of your life, but also throw it away from you. It means get as much distance between you and your sin as you can. Get away from it. And friends, this is what true repentance looks like. Gouge it out. Throw it away. If something causes you to sin, chop it off. And this is why the Israelites separated themselves from the foreigners. 
they were not playing around anymore. They wanted to get right with their God. And to confess properly, they had to confess in holiness. Friends, if you want to confess before the Lord God, you need to confess in holiness. You cannot stay in your sin and say, oh, Jesus, save me, but I'm going to stay right here in what you tell me not to do. You have to confess in holiness, and then you are forgiven, not until. Serious stuff today, isn't it? Holiness is being different, set apart. Friends, you've got to be set apart. 1 Peter 2.9, he says of Israel, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He said that to the Jewish people. I can adapt this a little bit for us Gentiles. We have got to be special, holy before the Lord God. Why? So that we can proclaim the praises of God. Because he came and he took us out of the muck that we got ourselves into, the trouble we got into because we sinned. He came and took us out, and we should be thankful enough to say, thank you, God. Thank you for getting me out of that mess. I will be so different. I am not going to be like the rest of the world ever again. And I will proclaim your praises. Israel was never meant to be like everybody else. As a nation, Christian, you were not intended to be like everybody else. So stop trying to be like everybody else. You've got to get out of that atmosphere. Today, Israel's still not like everybody else. They are still God's special nation of people. The Jews are set apart. They're very, very different. And this is why all the other nations hate them so much. Good night. Turn on the news. Look what just happened this week. The nations hate them. Israel is just a global stage version of what we're supposed to be. That's why God set them up like that. So we can look at Israel on the world scale and go, wow, look at that example. That's probably how I should be. I should be set apart and different. Well, people are going to hate me. Well, I don't want people to hate me, so I'm not going to be different. That's why people stop living in holiness because they, they don't want to be hated. They want to be accepted by the world. Okay, if you're accepted by the world, you're not accepted by God. Make your decision. So here in Nehemiah 9, the Israelites were coming back to memory that God chose them to be a special nation. Wait a minute. God chose me to be different than this. Man, I messed up. Get the sackcloth. Get the dust. Let's fast. Man, we need to separate ourselves. God, we're sorry. And why did God choose them? A lot of people ask, what's so special about Israel, why did God choose them? What's the point? Well, they were peculiar people, so he chose them. That, and when you're peculiar, that means everybody looks at you. The Jews are peculiar. So God says, everybody looks at them, I'm going to use them. So he chose them, and why did he choose them? First Peter tells us why, so that they would proclaim God's praises. In fact, that's exactly what they're about to do next in Nehemiah 9. Nehemiah 9 and 4 says, Then Jeshua, Bani, Cadmiel, Shebaniah, Bunai, Sherebiah, Bani, and Chenani stood on the stairs of the Levites and whispered so that nobody could hear and talked under their breath so that nobody would find out. What does it say? It says they cried out. Ah! They cried out loud. They cried out with a loud voice. They weren't hiding it. 
with a loud voice to the Lord their God. And the Levites, Jeshua, Kabmiel, Benish, Hashbaniah, Sherebiah, Hodijah, Shebaniah, and Pathiah said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Guys, this is the way we need to be. Stand up and shout it out. Get on with it. Well, what if people hear me and I don't sound right? Oh, please. I don't know how many bad notes I hit on that guitar today. You think I was worried about what you thought? I'm just up here praising the Lord God to the best of my ability. You do the same. Praise the Lord God. He's worthy of it. But friends, I want you to understand that this that we're ending on a good note here because they're praising. God did wonderful things for us. He's worthy of all praise above all things. Friends, this is what is on the other side of sorrowful repentance. It's like a coin. One side is dirty and ugly, but the other side is really, really shiny. The one side that's dirty and ugly is the sorrow. God, I messed up. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Oh, Lord God. But then when you get to that other side of repentance, it's shiny, happy, glorious praise. And that's where they finally arrive to. I'm sorry, Lord God, for the things I've done against you. But then authentic praise follows that. Now, guys, I bet this was quite a praise service here. (laughs) This had to be a good one. But friends, what the Israelites did way back then, we can do today. We can praise like them. I want you to look at this. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So friends, confessing is not just, well, gosh, I don't want people to hear. You want to be cleaned up? You want to be cleansed? It starts with confession. Washing my car off starts with getting the water hose out and spraying it off. It starts with confession. So I'd like to ask who would like to be cleansed from their unrighteousness. If you want that, You have got to separate yourself from any environment that tempts you to sin. Separate, get out, gouge it, chop it off, throw it away, get out of there. Get a lot of distance between you and it, and then confess. If there's a certain crowd of friends that tempt you to sin, get away from them. But they're my friends. Tell them about the Lord Jesus. Maybe they'll follow you to Jesus and they can still be your friends. But if they won't, I'm sorry, you have got to get away from me. We can't walk together. Maybe by watching you walk, they'll eventually want to follow you. That's the good thing. But look at this, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be misled. Evil company corrupts good character. The Israelites, they separated themselves from evil company. They were serious about their character before God. They wanted to get right. If you are serious, sin has chewed you down to nothing. You're tired. You're worn out. I've had enough of this. I can't do this anymore. If you are serious, you're grieving, you're agonizing in your sin, and you want to get right with the Lord, then you have to do the same that we saw here in this story. Separate yourself from those who push you the wrong way. That's what holiness is, being set apart. And then maybe at some point, by watching you, maybe at some point, that old bad company 
might even get saved by watching your example. Bottom line, you cannot confess to the Lord authentically if you're still in the environment, in the place of your sin. You got to get out. You cannot confess your sin while refusing to leave it. Psalm 38, 18, for I will declare my iniquity. I will be in anguish over my sin. I speak with people all the time that they come in in anguish over their sin. Totally broke up over it. It's sad to see, but it's also very pleasing to see because I know that in that anguish, they're getting right with God. Finally, that anguish is a good anguish. And friends, we should all be like this. Like how Israel was sorry about their sin, they were in serious anguish. Remember the sackcloth and the ashes. It was uncomfortable. Friends, we should be uncomfortable with our sin. We should be scared to sin, knowing how it makes God angry, knowing how filthy it is. As a church, we need to learn how to confess our sins. We just kind of are in a culture, culture that doesn't do it. I'll just keep it internalized to myself. I'll tell God by myself I'm sorry. But no, we need to learn confession like this. We need to learn to confess not only our own sins, but we also need to learn how to confess the sins of this nation because it rises like a foul stink up into the nose of the Lord God. We need to learn to confess in holiness. Psalm 96 verse 9 says, O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. For anybody in here who is in a marriage with an unbeliever, because there's many that happen. One of you got saved along the way, and the other one is not saved. This, I want you to understand, this passage, this story that we read today is not your biblical permission to kick them to the curb. You need, Paul wrote that the, the unbeliever can be saved by watching the believer. You stay in that union. You keep rooting for that spouse. Okay? The situation with Israel was very different. You have no idea how many people take a story like Nehemiah 9 and go, well, my spouse is an unbeliever. I'm going to kick him out. I want out. That's not what this is talking about. You lead them. Friends, you've got unbelievers you're not even married to. They're just friends of yours, and they're unbelievers. You lead them if they will be led. But if they say, I'm not having it, and they leave, then let them depart. But you do not break your relationship with God. You stay holy. I just thought I better clarify that. But we just read, worship the Lord and the beauty of what? Holiness. This means it's beautiful to separate yourself from the rest of the world. We don't think it's beautiful. Well, if I separate myself from the world, then what about my, all my buddies? What about my drinking buddies, my drugging buddies, my fornication buddies, my adultering buddies? What about all my friends that I have? It doesn't sound beautiful to me. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Worship the Lord in the beauty of stepping away and saying, I have got to get out of this. Worship the Lord in the beauty of being set apart in holiness, it says. Israelites separated themselves from the foreigner. At first, that seemed rude. It seemed kind of awkward. I told you it was going to be sticky. I gave you some context from Ezra to help understand better. But holiness is beautiful to the Lord. 
And to think that after all the terrible sins that Israel had committed, that God would still love them enough to bring them back. That's what's great about being holy. Friend, even the sins you've committed, as bad as they may be, as bad as the sins I've done, but even after that, if you would confess in holiness, not staying in it, get out of it, but confess in holiness set apart, the Lord God still loves you enough to bring you back and restore you. Friends, we believers, we've got to walk with the Lord in holiness being set apart. We cannot be like everybody else. I've given my life to Jesus. I'm all in. My old life is gone. I can't be like that anymore. Perhaps today is your day to come to a decision. Either you're going to say, I'm either going to live God's way or I refuse to walk with him. If you refuse to walk with Jesus Christ and follow the Lord God, I cannot walk with you. And I know that may cause a strain, and you may think, well, Ray, you're not my friend anymore. I'm still your friend. I'm just not walking with you. I'm asking you to walk with Jesus, then you can walk with me. Like the Israelites, we're following the Lord God. And a lot of foreigners says, but we're not. Then you've got to go. And we'll take you here in this church all day long. But at some point, everybody that comes into this church at some point has got to come to this decision. You cannot be in a church for an extended period of time unbelieving. At some point, you've got to be hit upside the head with this decision to give your life to God or understand that you're not. You're with him or you're not. And if you're not, God forbid you die today, where are you going? says we're going to hell nobody wants to go there you know even the demons are scared of that place let's choose to follow the lord together let's confess our sins to him in holiness that means you got to admit what you've done is wrong israel had bad leadership in solomon we've got bad leadership i'm not picking on a political party i'm talking about all of it the tv the movies you name it it's bad leadership out there And a lot of people, it's causing them to fall into sin because they want to live like what they see out there. But we can separate ourselves and live God's way. But you can only be genuine if you will confess in holiness. Guys, I'll say it again. Confess in holiness. Set apart. Confess in holiness. That means get out. Here's how you give your life to the Lord God. Pray with me. Lord God, I'm a sinner. Lord God, I confess. I have done you wrong. Lord, I have done things that you told me not to do. And Lord, I'm sorry. And Lord, I'm tired of it. I'm whittled down to nothing. Forgive me and cleanse me. I now confess to you outside of that sin, rejecting of that sin in acceptance of you. Forgive me, Lord God. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Take over. You are now the Lord. I will now live according to what you say in holiness. And friends, if you will confess in holiness to the Lord Jesus that you believe God raised him from the dead, that he is now your Lord, scriptures say you will be saved and God will restore you even after all the terrible things you might have done. Thank you, Lord God, for hearing the prayer of your people. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.